All right, all right. Uh, the uh, that horse one reminds me of Charles. Do you guys know Charles used to be in the police department where he rode a horse like that? So I, wanna, I don't know where. Every time I see that, I think of him. All right. Good morning. Welcome to Jericho Road Church. Uh, my name is Pastor Sam. If you're new here or you're visiting us online, glad you guys are here. We're gonna start out with our shouts. What do we do? We love God and we love others. What do we say? I love God and I love you. I love you and I love God as well. Welcome back to our series, In the Background, where we're taking a look at uh, a couple of people in the Bible who maybe aren't so famous, who most of us wouldn't know their names normally, uh, yet have had a profound impact on Christianity. Last week, we looked at this couple, Priscilla and Aquila, and uh, they're this uh, dynamic married couple who most people haven't heard of, yet they helped shape the early church by their investments in individuals and their investments in groups of people, by allowing the church to meet at their home. And they used the tool of their home to be this incredible blessing. And we were looking at that last week. And this week, today, we're going to look at another group of people who were, who were working uh, in the background during Jesus' life and his ministry. Now, I'm going to call them Jesus' women. And I'm a little tempted. That this sort of sounds weird at first because, like, you know, Jesus had a bunch of women but it's uh, not, not a, in a really innocent, wonderful way we're talking about Jesus' women. These women who are working in the background uh, of Jesus' ministry, uh, and we're going to see them in the Bible. And I want you to look for two things as we look at these women. So the two things as we're looking at their lives and, and their ministry, we're looking for two things in them. The ministry that they have of provision. So the first thing we're looking for, ministry of provision in their life. And the next is we're looking at the ministry of presence. So we're going to see that in them. We first meet them in, in Luke chapter 8. Now, they're sort of mentioned all throughout the Gospels, uh, but, but Luke chapter 8 really keys in on them. Check this out. It says, After this, Jesus traveled from one town and village to another. He was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Now, the twelve were with him, and we know them. They're really famous. That's the apostles, right? Those guys, we, we hear of them all the time. And there were also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, one of them, called, also called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. And Susanna, and, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. So I think it's really easy to forget that, that women were followers, that women were disciples, that, that women's were, women were supporters of Jesus. In this uh, time historically, it was an incredibly patriarchal society. And so, so women most often didn't get their due. They didn't get their shine, you know, uh, ex especially for uh, Jewish folks of antiquity. So they were, uh, regular society was pretty man-focused, and Jewish society was man, man, man-focused. And so, um, uh, so women kind of were always set to the background, especially in literature. You wouldn't uh, see much of them or hear much about them. And so sometimes we read the Bible accounts of Jesus, and it can seem like women aren't really involved at all. If you read through your New Testament, it seems like it's just guys doing all the work all the time. It's just guys following Jesus, just guys learning from Jesus. It's just guys, 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 guys. But occasionally we get a glimpse uh, like this one that more accurately reflects the reality of what was going on. So though women aren't being mentioned very often in the literature, which is common for the day, that they're not being mentioned very often, we see that they are in fact every single day, along with the disciples, following Jesus and serving Jesus and providing for Jesus. These women, they seem to have 
each experienced some sort of supernatural touch with Jesus that led them to follow him and support them. The first, uh, they're named, uh, in this passage, they're named Mary and Joanna and Susanna. Now, Mary Magdalene, she's actually um, mentioned by names 12 times in the Gospels. In the first four books in the New Testament, she's mentioned 12 times. Uh, She's mentioned more than most of the apostles, in fact. So uh, you don't hear of Judas the Less a lot, right? You're like, oh, who's that? How many times have you been reading? You're like, oh, Thaddeus, there you are again in the New Testament. No, but Mary Magdalene, she shows up uh, at least 12 times. And every time she's mentioned, her, her name is mentioned first. Her man, when there's a list of women named, her name is mentioned before Mary, the mother of Jesus, in the list that we have of Mary Magdalene. And so she's always first. And so in, in historically, this Mary person, she had been delivered from demon possessions by Jesus. And the text that we just read said that she was delivered from seven demons. Now, anytime you see this number seven in the Bible, you have to understand that they use the word seven like we use the word a million. It's an idiom for like the most possible or the worst possible or the biggest kind of thing. And so either she had seven particular demons, uh, which is possible, but I think more likely uh, this, this phrase says that she had the worst possible demon possession problems of anyone around. She had the maximum amount of demon possession problems. And, and, and God sort of healed her from that. And Jesus healed her from that. And so... So she has this deep gratitude for Jesus, so it seems that she never left him. We see her here in the middle of the ministry. We're going to see her a little bit later at at Jesus' death and and resurrection. And and it seems from the point that she gets delivered, she's like, I'm going to ride or die with you, Jesus, no matter what happens. Powerful woman. Joanna, the next person that's mentioned, her, her name actually means God is generous. And her husband, Chusa, he has this position of authority in Herod's uh, in Herod's court. Now, Herod is the guy who's in charge of Jerusalem and the surrounding areas. And so there were Jews that would support Herod, and there were Jews that were against Herod. And, and so this family was apparently uh, working in the household of Herod. And um, so they are coming to, to follow Jesus. These are people of social standing. They're, they're not low on the social. These are high on the social. They're, they're the, uh, Herod is the governor. They call him the king, but he's really just like the governor there because they have a Caesar, right? So kings are like mini Caesars, but then the Caesar is the highest of all. And so these people work in his household. So they're, they're upper society folk, uh, both her and her wife. Uh, so she probably, we don't know for sure, belonged to a prominent family because at that time you never married outside of your social status. So if her husband is working with Herod, that means her family was also high social status. And, and here she is following Jesus. And then they mentioned Susanna. There's not a whole ton about her. We don't know a ton about her, but we know that she was at least important enough to be mentioned by name. So we don't really know a ton about her, though. But I do want to notice what, uh, the last couple of words in that sentence. If you'll pull that right back up on, on our screen here. Now, notice that last uh, few words after the naming of the women. It says, and there were many others. There were many others. Though they're even less known, See, so women normally didn't get their shine, but here we had at least had three names. But then he said, there's, these, there's many others. Now, they're important enough to mention. They're just not mentioned by name. So cumulatively, the contribution of these other women, and we know they're, when we say many others, we know they're women because this is given in the feminine. And so Greek has feminine masculine, much like Spanish does. So in the feminine, uh, the, he's talking about many other women. So there are lots of other women that were following Jesus, and they were contributing to Jesus' ministry. And so they, they at least get 
Uh, they've done enough to merit this, like, hey, there's these other women doing great things in this ministry. And I would say that, that these kind of many women, it, they're the perfect and ultimate example of what we're talking about in the background in this series. Their names aren't mentioned. They're, they're not getting a gold star from the public. But rather, God is noticing, and they're still doing this ministry in the background. It's pretty cool. Apparently, uh, they're doing so much, even if we don't know the particulars, that their recognition couldn't be denied, despite like how the writing was, despite how like the social circumstances. The author of the New Testament had to say, well, there are these women who are really... This didn't show up in literature very much, but i got to put it down because there's these women that are doing many, many things. M many women and these particular women. And the last sentence we saw in this passage, it says, uh, those women were providing for Jesus out of their own personal means. It indicates that they were putting their money where their mouth was. These women were the independent financial patrons helping Jesus' ministry to function. Now, we'd never see this mentioned about men, and so I'm inclined to believe that it's literally the women who are donating this money to fund the ministry. Ministries take money. Our church has a budget of about $215,000 one year, and we only have a staff of three or four, so they have a staff of 12 disciples, and sometimes they have 70 people following. You remember he sends out the 70, Jesus? So they have 70 and 12, and they have maybe 100 plus women and family, that's a lot of money that's going to need to finance this ministry. And the Bible says particularly and specifically, not of any men that are doing this, this is the only mention of the, the Bible talking about someone who has funded Jesus' ministry, and it's these women who are giving out of their own financial, uh, their own financial means to support the ministry. This is called the Ministry of Provision where someone's just providing money for a ministry that they believe in. And so maybe this is you. Maybe this is the type of ministry that God calls you to be involved in, because not everyone is called to preach. Not everyone has called to lead praise. I've heard some of you sing, you're not called to praise. You know, I'm definitely not called to praise ministry. I can't play the instruments. I can't sing the songs on key. Not, not all of you are called to be in the baby's room in the nursery with throw up and diarrhea. That's not everyone's bag, right? God's not asking you to do that. Many saints find a lifetime of ministry and provision. For ministry, that's incredible. If God has given you the ability to do business or to navigate finances and you're able to generate money to help fund the work of Jesus, to to help send missionaries, to help support churches, then do not think that that ability or gift is somewhat less than someone else who maybe volunteers to work with the youth or, or is a missions team leader. Because I think sometimes I, ha I think that happens. Sometimes I worry about those of you that have this ministry that, you, that you're able to generate funds seemingly better than everybody else, and yet you feel like maybe that's not, like, quote, spiritual. Right? Like, oh man, the, that guy's a missions team leader. That's the praise leader. He's so spiritual. Like, that's so Christian. And God's probably so happy for that. But every gift is equal in God's mind. And, and when you have that gift of provision, when God gives you the ability to generate and be generous with your money, then that's an incredible gift. And so don't you dare think that that's a less spiritual gift. Don't think that like, oh yeah, maybe I, I just give my money. It isn't that. God has called you and gifted you particularly. Now, God asks all of us to give a 10% of our money, and so that's a, 
that's a tithe that we give to God. But some of us, God says, go above and beyond that. And I've given you the ability to do this and to manage my money and my finances and do that. And I want you to know, if that's you, that that's an incredible place. It is not an, a less spiritual or, like, yeah, it's money because money is evil. That's not the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. But those of you who have the gift of, of generous giving, I want to just encourage you to know that that is an incredibly spiritual gift. And it's an incredibly difficult gift. If God has given you the ability to handle his finances, to generate funds for him, then that's a powerful, I mean, that's probably the most tempting gift to abuse. And so if he's given you that ability, that means he trusts you because you're an incredible, powerful provider like these women in the background here. And so um, now we see these women, they weren't just supporting, giving their money, writing the check, and then like writing it off, right? So that's not, if you have the gift of provision, that's not what I want you to do either. Just say, I wrote my check, I don't need to do anything else. Right? That, that isn't what they do. In fact, they seem to be pretty involved. The, the word that it says they were providing for them is the word uh, that we use for deacon nowadays or, or servant. So they were, they were providing for for Jesus with their money, and for what else do you need me to provide for, Jesus? You need me to go run, I'll, I'll go, you need me to do this, I'll do that. And so their provision wasn't just in writing a check and stepping out, no. They had real relationship with Jesus. They were disciples of Jesus. We always think of disciples as just the men, but these women are disciples following Jesus. They hear things that only disciples hear, and they're credited as disciples throughout the New Testament. There's incredible evidence that they weren't just paying their money to get out of it, right? Like, oh, I paid my check. I don't have to go serve in the nursery. That's not what they were doing, like a get out of, get out of jail free. I don't got to go on missions because I wrote a check. No, maybe God wants you to do both. Or, you know, it's not a get out of jail because you're part of this generous giving ministry. But they, they love Jesus. They're following Jesus and they're disciples of Jesus. And they're powerful participating in the ministry of provision. But they're doing so because they follow Jesus, because they love Jesus which then allows them to engage in the second key ministry that we see in these women's lives, the, the, the ministry of presence. So we're going to skip all the way to, so they were with Jesus as he was teaching, walking around. He, they're, they're paying for people to be able to eat, for the entourage. They're praying for you know, everyone to live. And then we come to Jesus' death. We skip to there. And, and uh, this is after Jesus is crucified. He's hanging on the cross. And Matthew 27 says this, as uh, Jesus is hanging on the cross, it says, many women were there at the foot of the cross. Again, many women were there, watching at a distance. They'd followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's son, Salome. Many women who had been following Jesus from Galilee, they're at the place of the cross. When Jesus is being crucified, there are more of his women followers there than their men followers. Jesus looks around and he's got like one disciple and he's like, hey, John, take care of my mom. You know, and then where's the other guys? They're like, Phew. and so the women are all sitting there. Again, it's mentioned that they were serving him. They were caring for his needs. They were his, his support staff. They were providing, doing that ministry of provision. But now he's getting crucified, and they can't provide for him. What can they do for him? They can't do anything for him. So they do the next best thing. They show up. They're present. Even in the worst of circumstances, even in the most brutal, sad, horrific moment, there they are. 
Someone they're following is getting killed and crucified and they don't turn away, they don't shy away, they show up in the middle of that disaster, of that destruction, of that horror. Then Jesus dies. And then he gets put in a tomb. Here's what it says in Mark chapter 15. So Joseph, this is a guy who had a tomb and he asked the uh, he asked uh, Pilate if he could take the body and bury it. So Joseph brought some linen cloth. He took down the body and he wrapped it in linen. And he placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. To Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. And so how'd they get there? Jesus on the cross. He dies. They're present. Pull him down. Drag him all the way to this tomb. The women are following. They're right there. They're not stepping away from this. They're not running away and they're not turning away in shame. Their Lord just got crucified. There could be repercussions for them, but, but they're all in on this. They follow the baby. body. The body gets put in the tomb. The Romans come. They seal it. They put soldiers by it. They're guarding the tomb, and the women are there. Despite the tragedy, the toughness of the moment, they continue to stay. They're present. They're engaged. They're there. And a few, day, a few days later, we know what happens, right? A couple days later, even in church at all, you know the resurrections are right, right about three days away. And then this happens in the resurrection. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, uh, the Apostle Mark mentioned Salome was with them as well, they went to look at the tomb. There's a violent earthquake for the angel of the Lord had come down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and he sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were like white as snow and the guards were afraid of him and so, so much that they shook and they became like dead men. And the angel said to these women who had showed up, do not be afraid for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he's not here, he's risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he's risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you'll see him. Now I've told you. So the women, they hurried away from the tomb. They were afraid, yet they were filled with joy, and, and they ran to tell the disciples. And as they were run, running, suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said, and they, they came to him, and they cl- clasped his feet, and they worshipped him. And Jesus says to them, like, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. So they, these women had shown up. They get up at the break of day. The earliest moment they can, the sun rises, they grab their stuff, they're going to go give like, a, like we would put flowers on a tomb. They go out there uh, for Jesus. Now, we know that they're going to see a miracle, right? But they don't know they're going to see a miracle. When they're going out to the tomb, how are they going out? They're going out expecting to see their dead Lord. They're going out expecting to, to have heartbreak. They're not going to a good situation. Now, it's going to be good. We know it is because we know Jesus resurrected, but they don't know it is. They think they're going to, like, if you've ever buried a, a loved one and you go to the, the funeral, out, you know, you have the night before maybe and then the burial ground and you go there, you're not going to a party. You're going to something that's really hard. And yet they show up again. They were present in his life. They were present in his death. And now they're present for his resurrection, his greatest miracle. The ministry of presence, it has its perks. It's there where we can most often see the miracle of God in people's lives when we're present. We have a, a, a front row to see God working. I, I think of like a, a time when um, one of our brothers was sick with cancer and uh, he had gone to the, the hospital 
And you guys know our former pastor, Jimmy Davis. Uh, he's a really sensitive, emotional guy. And, and he was uh, going to the hospital, and, and he was saying, Sam, like, I've never, as a pastor, gone to the hospital. I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And, and uh, you know, Jimmy gets upset, and he was, he was worried. And, and Brian's his dear friend as well, uh, as someone who's in the, in the ministry. And, and, and Jimmy was like, I, I don't know what to say. What can I say? And I said, don't say anything. I said, that's not your job right now. Just go, and that's enough. Brian doesn't need to hear anything from you. He just needs to know that you're sitting there. And he says, well, what if I can't see him? If Brian knows you're in the waiting room, that's fine. So if you get the chance to see him, don't say anything. Just go there and be with him. The ministry of presence. And that's the place we get to see the greatest miracles of God if we're present. And that's so true for us today. When we show up for people, when we're with them praying, we're going to see the power and the majesty of the working of God. Here's the last bit about these women. Check them out. When they came back from the tomb, so they're like, dude, they just saw that resurrected Jesus. They told all these things to the 11. So who's the 11? That's like the apostles, right? That's like the most famous people in the Bible. Who's telling them? The ladies are telling them. The women are telling them. Jesus women are telling them. And, and all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But the apostles didn't believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. Now, ultimately, the apostles do believe. But so here we have the, the women as the first to see the risen Christ, the first to believe in the risen Christ, and the first to share the good news of the risen Christ. See, the disciples, the men, are not the first people to evangelize. Who are the very first people to share about the risen Christ? These women who are in the background. They showed up, they were at the tomb, they saw it, they're like, dude, there's this miracle, it's not men that are doing it, it's these women that are showing up, and they come and they tell the disciples, and they're like, oh, I don't know. Well, you didn't believe him? I'm telling you we saw him. They're like, oh, I don't know, we still don't believe, until they ran and saw it for themselves. These women were the very first, like, people talked about Jesus before, but nobody had ever shared about Jesus' death and resurrection. This is the first time ever, and it's done by these women who are working in the background. So cool. All because they showed up. They were there for the good and the bad. You see, the ministry of presence is all about showing up. For us today, it's showing up and shutting up when someone's hurting or that they've suffered loss. It's showing up when someone else needs to talk and you don't need to share your opinion on it. You just need to listen. It's showing up to church even if it's easier to have church online in your PJs. <laughs> it's showing up... Um, in each person's life, no matter the situation, good and bad. Maybe it's going to be tough. Maybe it's going to be horrible. Maybe it's going to cause you sadness. Show up anyway. Because there is no such thing as life together without the ministry of presence. We cannot have a church without the, life of the ministry of presence. We cannot have connection to one another without the ministry of presence. It's impossible. Now, you can't show up to everything. I know Drew tends to try to show up to everything, but you can't always. So there, uh, there are restraints given time and space and that sort of thing. You know, you can't be everywhere at anywhere. And so use wisdom to determine when to be present somewhere and when not to be present. So I'm not saying, like, try to go to every possible thing in the tour. You'll burn out. You'll go crazy. So if you've ever thought that women weren't important to Christianity or not as important in men, as men, I want to tell you this morning you're wrong. If you ever thought that women weren't disciples and they weren't vibrant 
followers of Jesus early on, then again, you're wrong. If you thought that providing money for ministry to function was like a less spiritual adventure or, 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 or an investment or endeavor, then you're wrong. If you ever thought that, that women weren't key to witnessing and growing the early church, you're wrong. If you ever thought that showing up wasn't enough, you're wrong. If you thought that being in the background was a diminished place, the answer is nope. Being in the background is a God place. In the background, it isn't a lower place. It isn't an inconsequential place. In the background is, is where life predominantly takes place. In the background is, is, is where ministry grows and flourishes. Sunday is okay, you guys, but if we don't have ministry of presence in the background all throughout our lives, then, then it's, it's just going to not matter. It's just going to be a tiny little piece, not an important transformation. In the background is where ministry grows and flourishes. In the background is where ministry of presence and the gift of provision becomes this incredible benefit. Would you guys stand with me? We're going to join these women in magnifying the risen God. We're going to join these women to say, Jesus, I'll show up in the good and the bad because I'm committed to you, Jesus. I want you to ask if God would like you to participate in his ministry of provision or the ministry of presence a little bit more, maybe. Take a second between you and God, and then we're going to close in worship.